You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And to get this show every day, I need you to subscribe to Locked On Mets wherever you get your podcasts. Google, Apple, Spotify, Himalaya. Also, don't forget when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets. Now, New York picked up another win on Tuesday against the Arizona Diamondbacks in very similar fashion to how they won on Monday. Three runs scored, great starting pitching, and a big relief appearance out of the bullpen. So we're going to talk about that in the first half of the podcast. Later on in the show, there's a lot of things I want to get into. I'm going to take you around baseball a little bit. There's a lot of stories that impact the Mets right now and their path for a wild card berth. I'm also going to touch really quickly on Anthony Kay's MLB debut over the weekend. I mentioned that I wanted to spend a little bit more time on that, so I will do that on today's show. Before we get into any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, check me out on Twitter, at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsmerizeOnline.com. Great site for you to check out covering all things New York Mets. Now, I probably sound like a broken record for those of you who listen every day, but whenever I talk about the Mets' bullpen, one of the things I always say is that the best bullpen for the Mets is their starting pitching. It is just that simple. When their starters can go deep into games and hold on to leads, they're going to be really successful, and that's what you've seen in the first two games of this series. Jacob DeGrom goes seven innings, allows just one run, Zach Wheeler the next day does the exact same thing. So you have to credit the starters, and the starters need to continue that. When the Mets were on that great run where they won 15 out of 16, they were getting a good start from pretty much every pitcher in the rotation. They need to rely on the starting pitching again. That means Steven Matt stepping up and Marcus Stroman stepping up, something I'm going to talk about a little bit in the second half as well. Now, Zach Wheeler, who was great, seven innings pitched, allowed seven hits, only one extra base hit, so all singles. He got a couple really crucial double play balls. He walked two, struck out seven. Compared to his last start, where he kind of had to really work hard to get through five innings, this was a much more effortless type feel. The game really came to him. It was a really good outing out of him. And when it comes to the offensive side of the game for the Mets, it's always that one guy that you're not so sure if they should be in the lineup that seems to come through. And on Tuesday, that was Todd Frazier. For whatever reason, it seems like when Frazier's job is on the line, he starts to play better. If you remember that big stretch he had at the beginning of the season, That actually correlates to right about the time when the Mets thought they were going to get Jed Lowry back off the IL. Now, that didn't happen, but it was around that time where it seemed like he was close and it looked like Frazier 
who got off to a really rough start, was going to be the odd man out of the lineup. And then he turned it on, Lowry never came up, and he really didn't have to cede that starting third base job until now as Jeff McNeil came back, Brandon Nemo, everyone started to get healthy, and all of a sudden, his at-bats were going to be questioned. Since August 30th, Todd Frazier sent 391, and in this game, he came through with two clutch RBI doubles, the first of which coming in the second inning, scoring two runs. Then in the fourth inning, he had another RBI double, which only scored one. It could have scored two, but Brandon Nemo didn't get a great read on the ball. Should have been standing on second base as it was a play that was either going to be three things, a home run, a fly out, which were the two most likely outcomes if you saw the way it came off the bat. Had it been a fly out at the wall, he would have had plenty of time if he was standing on second base to get back to the bag, or what actually happened, which was outfielder did not make the play, hits off the wall, gets away from them, and Nimmo should have scored. Instead, he was standing halfway between first and second. Too tough of a send at that point. Doesn't score, and that's a run the Mets don't end up getting. One that could have cost them in the end. When you look at what they did overall as a team in this game, they only had five hits. Two coming from Frazier, of course. One coming from Michael Conforto, a double that did not amount to anything in the first inning. And also two hits and another double by Robinson Cano, and Cano scored two of those three runs. So Cano was great, Frazier was great, but overall, the lineup was not that successful. And it's funny because on Sunday, in a game where the Mets scored seven runs and had all of these hits, they were trying to climb this 10-run mountain and it seemed like the offense wasn't doing enough. Now, because of good pitching, they pick up two wins, and you don't even really worry about what the offense has done. Regardless, it was enough on this night. The biggest question, as always, is how are the Mets going to get the last outs to finish off the game? Without Seth Lugo available, it was Brad Brock who first came in to pitch in the eighth inning, and it's a weird situation because he gave up a solo home run but you almost consider it a good appearance because it was only one run that he gave up, only one hit that he gave up, and he actually got two outs. So that's the weird spot that the Mets are in right now, where as long as they can preserve the lead in some way and get their team off the field, you're happy with what you're getting out of the bullpen. But the real story was Justin Wilson, who was pushed farther than he's probably ever been pushed, or at least has ever been pushed this year, He looked completely gassed by the end of the game. But what are the Mets going to do? Mickey Calloway is just basically at a loss right now. And Wilson's one of the few guys that he trusts to get Major League hitters out. They push him to 33 pitches. He gets the last four outs of the game for his second save of the season. And it was not easy in that ninth inning. Wilson gives up a base hit to the first batter he faced. Then there was a chopping ground ball that Pete Alonso did a nice job jumping up to field to get the first out. Then Wilson gives up another hit, putting runners at first and third. And then comes this really strange defensive play. Kettle Marte, the best player on the Diamondbacks, rips a ball that Pete Alonso does a great job laying out and stopping, saving a run. But... It was a little bit of a boneheaded play because as he fielded it, 
it looked like it was one of those plays where it he almost caught it on a line. So the runners had to freeze. Then you realize he didn't make the grab. In the process of running to first base to get Marte out, he literally goes right past the runner. I mean, if Pete Alonso sticks his arm out, he tags the runner that was on first base, touches first base, game over, bottom line. Problem is, Alonso is concerned about the runner on third, and that was where all of his focus was. He didn't even pay attention to that guy that literally went right past him. Instead, he was looking at the runner at third, panicking kind of, touches the base, and then throws behind the runner at third when they had the other runner, a dead duck, in a rundown. Now, granted, Mickey Callaway after the game said he made the right decision. You had to worry about the runner on third base because if they get into a rundown and that runner comes across the plate to tie game, Mets have to go up and score in the bottom of the ninth inning. He's got to get the the second out there. But for me, it's almost less about the bad throw and and making that decision, which wasn't a good one, but also more about he literally walked right past the guy. Um, So just just kind of a stupid play. But Justin Wilson strikes out Wilmer Flores to end the game, and that's all that matters. All right, so later on, I'm going to talk again about a couple things that have happened over the last couple days here when it comes to the wild card race. Big development with the Brewers, the Dodgers, get into those things. I want to touch on Anthony Kay real quick and also do a little bit of a preview of how the Mets need to win these next two games and, of course, get into a wild card update. Now, anytime you're craving something, I'll tell you what, Postmates can deliver. They are the largest on-demand network in the U.S. and offer delivery from all the restaurants, grocery and convenience stores, and traditional retailers that you could possibly want or need. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code Locked On. Guys, let's talk about sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable alternative to Viagra and Cialis with the same FDA-approved active ingredients, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, and since they're chewable, they work twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visits, no more waiting in line at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, I've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueBluechew.com, promo code MLB to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice, and we thank them for supporting this podcast. All right, so there is a lot I want to get into in the second half here, so let's kick things off with Anthony Kay. As you Mets fans know, Kay was the big prospect that was traded from the Mets to the Blue Jays in the Marcus Stroman deal at the deadline. Just want to tell you what he did in his MLB debut on Saturday. He pitched five and two-thirds innings, allowed just four hits, gave up two runs, 
hit a batter, walked three, and struck out eight. Now, he illustrated why some people aren't that high on him, which is a lack of control. But he also showed a really nasty curveball, an above-average changeup. He was spotting his fastball. He looks pretty good. I'm going to keep an eye on him. We'll talk about him throughout the life of this podcast. Really, when I want to talk about whether the trade was a good move or not, all those things are more off-season topics. So we'll kind of put that to rest right now. Now, looking back into the Mets and what they have to do over these next two games, they got to keep on beating the Diamondbacks. I know the Diamondbacks were red hot, but they do not scare me too much. Now, the Mets are going to play the Dodgers over the weekend. One of the stories I wanted to bring up is the fact that the Dodgers have clinched their division, so the sense of urgency might not quite be there anymore when it comes to this series over the weekend, but at the same time, They still want to finish out their season strong because they can't let up and lose home field over the Braves. They want to keep that home field throughout the life of the playoffs. So they still have some things to play for. And they're just a great roster and team altogether. So it's going to be tough to win that series over the weekend. You want to pile up these games against the Diamondbacks while you can. Now, first up, it's going to be Steven Matz going against Robbie Ray. I talked about this matchup in the preview. Battle of left-handed pitchers. Mats has been really good as of late. The question is, can he take the Mets deep enough into the game? Seth Lugo had a day off, so he should be ready to go. He only threw 21 pitches on Monday, so you would think he would be available to give the Mets two innings if they needed him, but Justin Wilson's not going to be available. Brad Brock is also a question mark pitching two days in a row. That leaves you with Seth Lugo and a ton of question marks. So the deeper that Mats can get into the game, the better. Now Thursday, Strowman's really got to perform. He's going up against Alex Young, a rookie who has been really good this year. When I did the series preview, they did not announce a starting pitcher yet. Now we know it is Young. He has a 3-3-8 ERA on the season. In his last start, Young was dominant pitching eight shutout innings with a club record 12 strikeouts by a rookie against the Cincinnati Reds, so he's going to be a tough matchup. And I think a couple weeks back, I cited the Mets irony stat, I think I called it, where it's just certain things that you watch the Mets kind of do over and over again. And one of them is an unproven young pitcher comes in, they usually blank the Mets lineup, so that is a very concerning game. Now, I do want to touch on the Marcus Stroman aspect of that Noah Syndergaard conversation I was having on yesterday's show in regards to Ramos catching Syndergaard's starts. Mickey Calloway came out and he talked about why Ramos had started that game and part of it was because Tomas Nito had started the night before when Marcus Stroman was on the mound and his rationale for starting Nito was that he wanted to get Marcus Stroman going. The thing I don't like about this is Stroman had pitched exclusively to Wilson Ramos up until that point. He had also spoken, I believe it was right after his last start, when he had pitched really well, six innings allowing just two runs, about building that chemistry with Wilson Ramos and how it was an evolving process, but they were getting there. They would have been facing the same lineup together two times in a row in the Phillies. So why break that up, especially if you're going to be taking Tomas Nito away from Noah Syndergaard the day after? So while I still stand by everything I said about Syndergaard yesterday, 
I just think the Mets continue to get in their own way. I don't know if that is the front office's decision, Mickey Calloway's decision, but they just seem to make the wrong decisions a lot. Lastly, before I close out the show, let's do a little bit of a wild card update here. Biggest news comes with the Brewers as Christian Yelich fractured his kneecap on Tuesday night. So really a sad story for all of baseball. The guy's been unbelievable since going to Milwaukee. Won an MVP last year. Was maybe well on his way to winning one this year. Yelich has been so good. But if you want to look at a Mets aspect of this, of course, it's a little bit of good news when it comes to a team ahead of you losing their best player. That gives the Mets a better chance to eventually pass the Brewers in this wild card race. Now the Chicago Cubs, I am just learning, have lost to the San Diego Padres. I was actually trying to watch this game before recording the podcast. When I turned it on, the Padres were up 8-5 to five going into the 8th inning. I flipped the game on. Immediately the Cubs hit two home runs and tie the game. And all of a sudden I'm looking at myself and I'm like, is it me watching that makes bullpens pitch poorly when I need a certain result to happen? Because of course I'm hoping that the Cubs lose this game. So the Mets can pick another one up, and all of a sudden the Cubs tie it. The game goes into extra innings. Conveniently, I stop watching, come record the podcast, and the Padres walk it off in the 10th inning. So the Mets do gain a game on Chicago. The Nationals lost as well, so they gained a game there. They're now 5.5 back on the Nationals, 3 games back on the Cubs, 2 back on the Brewers, 1 game back on the Phillies, And a half a game back still on the Diamondbacks. Of course, if they win tomorrow, they will at least pass Arizona. Anyway, thank you for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Mets.